the information age, you can get instant answers to virtually any question. But did you know that there are some things you just aren't meant to understand? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah returns to Ecclesiastes 3 and explains how to be content even when life doesn't make sense. To help you start the new year right, here's David with the conclusion of his message, Beautiful in His Time. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is a very special portion of God's Word. If you haven't discovered it, you should open your Bible and read it. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece of poetry written to help us understand how important time is. And uh, this is a good time for us to think about that because we're in the time of the new year. So we started yesterday, and we'll get back to that in a few moments. Friends, during the month of January every year, we sign up a lot of partners for Turning Point. They're called Bible Strong Partners, and we're trying to reach more in 2024. Our Bible Strong Partners help us with regular uh, financial assistance, and uh, we do our best to make sure they know how much we value them. We send you lots of materials and information to help you in a very special way. If you're not a part of the Bible Strong Partners, go to our website. You can find out how to join, and that would be great. Well, um, we're going to finish up our study of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 today. We're going to learn a little bit more about how powerful time is and how God is not controlled by time, but He wants us to live our lives in such a way that when we look back over the time of our life, we can say we honored Him with everything we did. I hope that's your goal. That's part of the purpose of this message. And let's begin right now here on Turning Point. Ruth Bell Graham, the wife of the famous Billy Graham, used to have an inscription over her kitchen sink. It said, Divine service conducted here three times a day. Hmm. She understood that whatever we do, even washing a dirty pot, is worthwhile if done in God's will and for Christ's glory. Everything is beautiful in its time. What profit has the worker, Solomon asked? Much profit. If our tasks are God-given and Christ-centered, the real question is, am I doing what God wants me to do? Am I in the place where he wants me to be? Solomon goes on in verse 11 to add this beautiful sentence. He has made everything beautiful in its time. We don't have any problem connecting with that truth in the nice moments. I mean, it's easy. For instance, in my house, with all my children and grandchildren having such a great time, opening presents and laughing and all of that, wow, everything's beautiful in its time. That was a beautiful time. But what sets the true saint apart is his ability to apply this during moments of unpleasantness. When young couples fall in love and get married, they are convinced that God has made everything beautiful in its time. But ten years later, when little children are underfoot, bills are due, a job has been lost, and a medical scare has been diagnosed, we wonder what happened to all that beauty. Marriage has lost a little luster, parenthood is less glorious, and home building is more sweat than sweet. Men and women leave their marriages in times like these simply because they're unaware of God's presence in the rugged times as well as in the smooth. Our challenge is to recognize that everything has a time, everything has a season, a reason, and trust God to bring sense and unity 
on his time schedule, not ours. Not only will the beauty be there, but it will be far more beautiful because of the hard polishing we have done during that season. In other words, if life were like drawing a picture and your pencil included a nice eraser, you might rub away all the darker marks in the picture. In the end, there would be no real picture at all. For it is what happens at those junctions between light and darkness that really tells the final story. In his autobiographical book, A Turtle on a Fence Post, business leader Alan Emery tells of accompanying his friend and mentor, Ken Henson, to visit a hospitalized employee. The patient lay very still, his eyes conveying anguish. His operation had taken eight hours and recovery would be long and uncertain. Alex said Ken quietly, you know I have had a number of serious operations. I know the pain of trying to talk. I think I know the questions you are asking. There are two verses I want to give you, Genesis 42:36 and Romans 8:28. You have the option of these two attitudes. You need the perspective of the latter. Henson turned to those passages in his Bible, then prayed and left. Alan Emery never forgot those two verses, nor should we. The choice is this, to be beat up or to be upbeat. To say with Jacob in Genesis 42, 36, all these things are against me. Or to say with Paul in Romans 8, 28, all these things work together for good to those who love God. How do you look at life? Do you see all things against you? Or do you see with Paul that all things work together? The perspective you choose will color your whole life completely and thoroughly, and it will be gentle tones of grace and providence or harsh slashes of despair and emptiness. Tommy Nelson's book on Ecclesiastes, he tells the story I told you about the piano. And he called it light music and dark music. All of us have that in our repertoire, don't we? We've had some light music this year. We've had some dark music this year. And the thing that you need to remember is God is in the midst of all of it. You say, well, did he cause it? No, he's in the midst of it. God's plan is good and his purpose is clear. Here's a great verse from Ecclesiastes 3. He has put eternity in their hearts. Did you know that when you were born, you were born with eternity in your heart? <laughs> Missionary scholar named Don Richardson wrote a book called Eternity in Their Hearts based on this verse. He presented more than 25 examples of missionaries all over the world who had discovered cultures completely cut off from all Christianity in which vestiges of truth about God existed. He said it was an amazing thing. Where did it come from? The people were looking for God. Indeed, were hungry for God. Since knowledge about him had been passed down in their culture for generations, leading them to Christ required little more than explaining how the God they had been searching for had come to earth in the person of Christ. Richardson set forth the idea that every human being has eternity in his heart. That winning people to Christ is a matter of discovering what piece or what part of eternity they were familiar with and connecting the dots. 
God has put something in our hearts, a taste, a longing for eternity that cannot be discovered through the experiences of life. There will always be a longing within us for something more than we have experienced until we know God personally. And even after we know Christ, if you're honest, there's still this longing. Romans says, the whole creation is groaning, waiting until the day when we see the Lord. I wonder if St. Augustine had Ecclesiastes 3.11 in mind when he wrote these words. You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they learn to rest in you. Whenever you meet people that don't know the Lord, as you know him, you will be able to discern this if you look for it. There's a restless heart without God. I tell people that God created us with a God-shaped hole in our heart. And you can't stuff anything else in that hole. The only thing that fits in that hole is God. Until you put Christ in your heart, there will always be this sense of emptiness and longing and wondering, what am I missing? I see people all the time who are so successful, who've gone to the top financially in every way, but they don't have Christ. And there's an emptiness in their success. Once... C.S. Lewis put it this way, Our Heavenly Father has provided many wonderful ends for us along our journey, but he takes great care to see that we do not mistake any of them for home. (laughs) Isn't that true? We have a lot of wonderful things we see along our way to heaven, but we better be sure we don't think we're home because home isn't here yet. His plan is good. His purpose is clear. His program is mysterious guess that's a good place for us to be right now. Except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. That's what it says in this verse. God's plan is good. His purpose is clear. But the last part of the verse tells us that his program is mysterious. And no one can figure it out. Vance Hamner used to say, God writes over some of our days these words. We'll explain later. Did you know that the word why occurs in the Bible 430 times? And you and I have asked it many times, probably more than that. Catherine Marshall, the eloquent writer and wife of U.S. Senate chaplain Peter Marshall, wrote about her anguish over the death of a beloved grandchild. She said for quite a while, Catherine felt anger and depression toward God for allowing such a thing when she had earnestly prayed and trusted for the child's healing. Then one day... She was reading through Isaiah 53, a poignant passage about the suffering of the Messiah. This is what it says. I had read that passage many times before, even since Amy Catherine's death, but it had not affected me as it did now, particularly the 10th verse. God made his own son suffer, but it was a good plan. More than good, it was perfect, as only something from God could be. It was terribly important to the future of the human race that Jesus Christ have his dark night experience on the cross. Yet what a desperately dark night it had to be for him to have cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? She concluded, When life hands us situations we cannot understand, we have one or two choices. We can wallow in misery, separated from God, or we can tell him, I need you and your presence in my life more than I need understanding. I choose you, Lord. I trust you to give me understanding and an answer to all of my whys. 
only if and when you choose. Let me just say this to you. This is a hard truth. God is God, and he doesn't owe us an answer to every question we ask. He doesn't owe us that. Well, why doesn't God tell me what's going on? He doesn't have to do that. He has no responsibility to do that. Someday we'll understand, but right now we live by faith. What is faith? Faith is living from the promise to the fulfillment. Faith is that in-between time when you don't know how it's going to work out because God is in the formula. It's like looking through the back window in a foggy morning mist. You can't make out every detail of the field and the trees, but you have faith that things will clear up and the world will be beautiful. A little heaven on earth. Somehow it shows up after a fog or a rain. Some impressions about life and some insights about God and then very quickly some instruction about living. What do we do with all this? I always like to ask that question. What does it say? What does it mean? What does it mean to me? So here's Solomon going to tell us this. Having given us his impression about life and his insights about God, he ends this section by sharing some instructions about living. I'm going to put these in very usable terms. Number one, don't forfeit enjoyment because of what you can't understand. Verse 12 says, I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives. So let me unpack this for us. Life, the awesome gift of God, shouldn't be affected by the paralysis of analysis. We either be frozen in fear over what comes next or we'll become so confused over the meaning of it that we won't notice the joy leaking out of the seams of everyday life. There comes a time to lighten up a bit. As people sometimes say, do we take God, his word, and his laws less seriously? No, not at all. We simply acknowledge the boundaries defined by his greatness and our smallness. What that is saying more than anything else, don't live your life always trying to figure everything out. Let me just tell you, I've been doing that for years as a pastor, and I can't figure it out. And you can't either. We aren't meant to figure everything out. We live in this bookend culture where you got a problem, and then you have a strategy, and then you have a solution. But the Christian life doesn't always work that way. There are many things about the Christian life that I do understand and cause me to have great confidence and joy. But friends, there's a lot of stuff I don't understand. People come to me, well, why did that happen? I don't have a clue. And you don't either. And if we have to be satisfied with answers to all of our intrinsic questions in order for us to live a happy life, we are going to be miserable. The Lord says in Isaiah 55, 9, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In other words, God moves in mysterious ways. William Cooper wrote it that way. He said his wonders to perform. Some people want to master every corner of the God question before they make a commitment to believe in him, and they miss the heart of the issue, which is the issue of the heart. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I think when most Christians approach the end of life, they're going to wish they had served God more faithfully. But I think they're going to have another regret. 
And that is they didn't fully take advantage of the wonderful abundance of life in Christ. I want to tell you something. God enjoys your enjoyment. That fun we had at our house, God was there and he was smiling. You know, some people think, well, God's only into the hard things. He only shows up when things are... No, no. God has built us with the capacity for incredible joy, even on this earth, as we head toward heaven. When we smile in the right way, God smiles bigger than we can imagine. Go to a football game. Spend time with your family. Take a vacation. Pursue an enjoyable hobby. Do something for yourself every day. Thank God for the blessings he has abundantly poured into your life. Don't get complacent about that. God has given you the capacity for joy. And if you spend all your life trying to figure everything out, you will never know that joy. You have to accept some things by faith. I don't know what you're up to, God, but I know you're a good God and you don't make any mistakes. And I have determined to trust you and go on with my life. And that's the most important thing. Don't forfeit enjoyment because of what you can't understand. You know that some people will never be able to enjoy life until they can figure out how God is going to solve all the problems of the world. They're going to be too old for much enjoyment by the time they figure that out. Number two, don't forget to be thankful for God's gifts. It says in verse 13 that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. Did you hear that? I love the story in the New Testament about the lepers who were healed, but only one of them came back. That one leper must have been different, thanking God for the sunshine and the blue sky. Disease is a terrible thing, as you know, but its power to inflict misery over us is within our control. I remember hearing so many people say, I know I have COVID, but I will not be defined by COVID. Or I've gotten cancer, but cancer does not define me. Godly people cope with amazing adversities by simply refusing to bow to the misfortune. The most powerful weapon in our arsenal is our attitude of gratitude. I don't know anybody I've ever met who is grateful and depressed. Think about that. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Here's the third one. Don't fear life, fear God. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it, that men should fear before him. That which is has already been, and what is to be has already been, and God requires an account of what is past. Very pregnant verse. Not time for me to take it all apart, but... Let me just say that God deals in forever and flawless. God made it. You can't add to it. You can't subtract from it. You can't put a stop to it. Though even a sunset over the Rockies is not forever, you have these feelings as you stand in its presence. This is a work of perfection, a masterpiece. I can add nothing to it, nor can I detract anything from it. Therefore, I just simply stand humble and speechless and worship. <laughs> God's design for your life and mine is every bit as awe-inspiring as tomorrow's sunset. You have your doubts about that plan? It is perfect. It is a forever thing. It can't be edited. We should rest in the knowledge of his perfection. 
but we should also respond in a healthy fear. Fear, F-E-A-R. We don't fear God as, as if he were going to destroy us. We fear him in reverence. And the Bible is filled with verses about it. Fear the Lord. Did you know that wisdom starts with fear? Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. That doesn't mean we're scared of God. I use that term. It means we have an awesome respect and reverence for him. We are awestruck by God, so much so that it's impossible for us to even put it into words. Have you ever visited the Niagara Falls and ridden the maid of the mist right out into the basin of that thundering cataract? It's a bit terrifying to stand there only a few yards from such power, deafened by the roar of six million cubic feet of water bursting over the cliff every minute and falling 170 feet into the basin before you. The spray hits you, and you can literally feel the sound waves beating against you. When you look at the sun setting over the Rockies, painting the sky in a spectrum of reds and oranges, you reflect on the size and the heat of the solar star and the fact that in a millionth of a second you could cease to exist if you were in its presence. You feel small and fearful and awestruck. All of these things remind us of who God is and how we should respect him and see him in his greatness. Know that we are not like God in that respect. He is high above us. But then realize that the God who we worship in these moments of grandeur is the same God who cares about every detail of your life and mine. He's been there before us. He's the eternal God. He lives outside of time. He created time. And whatever you think you're going to meet in the future, God already knows. He's already been there. He understands it. He will, in his own way, help you in the process. I think the thing that comes away from this is we fear the thunderous power of a love so relentless it could send one's own son to die. We fear the blackness of God turning away as Christ endured our sin on Calvary. We stand before the cross and we realize we can add nothing and neither can we take anything away. The act is perfect and forever, and our fear turns to love and devotion as we stand before the cross and realize that at that moment, everything changed for the world and for us. When we stand at the cross and ask for forgiveness and receive the benefit of what God did through his son Christ, our lives are never going to be the same. Many of you have stood in that awesome moment and given your life to Christ. Now it's time for us to go and share that with others. Let them know how awesome our God is and what he can do to change even the most difficult things that life brings us. I hope you will have this awareness in your life. Everything is beautiful in his time. He has control of you if you will just submit to him and let him do in your life what he desires to do. Amen. You may be in a dark space right now and wonder if God has forsaken you. But I promise you, in these difficult days that we often go through, God draws near to us, and we're going to talk about that tomorrow. But I want you to remember it today, that God is with you. And in this time, he can make the 
things that look ugly on the surface shine when you see how they're being used in your life. So thank you for listening, and I hope that the teaching from Ecclesiastes 3 has encouraged you. And tomorrow we're going to begin a whole series of encouraging words based on the book Encouraging Words for a Discouraging World. We're going to talk about how you can be in a time that would normally be discouraging to you, but if you've got a hold of the Lord's hand, He can lead you through that and take the discouragement and turn it around to be an advantage for you. That's just one of the truths of the Word of God, and it's not just true because it's in the Word of God. It's true because it's true, and I've experienced it in my own life and seem to be experiencing it somewhat even now. So don't miss the broadcast during the month of January. They're all set up to help you deal with the challenges of the new year and see how God works behind the scenes and all things work together for good to those who are called and who love Him. Our message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. Let us know how Turning Point is impacting you by writing to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, RPO, Sawasan, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4 visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or calling 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new book, Encouraging Words for a Discouraging World. Ten Biblical Promises to Bring Comfort in Chaos. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we begin encouraging words for discouraging times on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you've been blessed by the ministry of Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point, we would love to offer you two free ways to stay connected. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash magazine for a subscription to our monthly Turning Points magazine. Each exclusive issue is filled with encouraging articles and daily devotionals to strengthen your spiritual walk. You can also sign up to receive our daily email devotional and be a part of our community of friends who receive daily encouragement delivered straight to their inbox from Dr. Jeremiah. Written in a thought-provoking manner, this concise yet profound daily devotional delivers the refreshment and focus you need as you go about in today's world. You can join the more than 600,000 monthly subscribers who are building their faith each month through these free resources. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. In a world that often feels overwhelming and discouraging, discover encouraging words for a discouraging world. Ten Biblical Promises to Bring Comfort in Chaos, a new book by Dr. David Jeremiah. You'll discover how to face your circumstances with unwavering confidence and hope. Yours for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a gift of $70 or more, Dr. Jeremiah will send you his comprehensive Encouraging Word set. Request these resources at davidjeremiah.ca. A Texas television station recently ran a story about a dog whose owner had been killed in a traffic accident five and one-half months before. But every day, the dog sat by the side of the road watching for his master's car to appear. Now that's a degree of loyalty not often seen among humans. Loyalty is one of the most important concepts in the Old Testament. It defined God's relationship to Israel 
And in the New Testament, we're told that God will never leave us nor forsake us. That's a degree of loyalty we would do well to copy in our relationships with one another. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's loyalty on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.